Welcome. Welcome to the Medal of Honor podcast with your host, Tiffany Martschink, a retired military veteran of 24 years. Welcome. You just have to find what works for you, and that might take a while, and it's okay. You're not supposed to get it perfect the first time. If you do, kudos. If you don't, keep it moving. Like, oh, that didn't work. Cross that off and go on to the next thing. Like, you just keep going. You don't stop when you're passionate about something. You just keep going. Actually, I met Roy in high school. Roy and I are both from military backgrounds. His dad was in the army, my dad was in the army, and we moved to Fort Polk. Roy's dad retired in Fort Polk, so that's how I met Roy. So I met Roy, he was a senior, I was a freshman, and then we started dating when I was a junior and he was in college. So that's kind of how that started. So we already had like a background in military or like as military kids. And then Roy and I got married right after my senior year in high school. And we lived in Fayetteville off of Davis Street, which is in Haymont, for about, I want to say, six months. Because shortly after that, I looked at him and I said, well, our rent was $175. So that kind of tells you what kind of area we lived in. And so I said, hey, um, so something's got to give. This is not it. And I mean, we (laughs) we were pinching pennies. We worked two, three, four jobs, and we were just not, it was not the lifestyle we were used to because our parents were middle class. We had a paycheck on the 1st and the 15th, you know, like all these amenities and kind of lifestyle we were used to. So Roy said, well, I'll join the military. And in March of 20, or if March of 1999, he went into the military. And um, that kind of started our military journey as adults, I want to say, and from me being a military kid to being a military spouse. Roy was enlisted for six years. We were only stationed in one place, which was Herbert Field, Florida. And then Roy got out and decided to do like an ROTC program so he can come back and commissioned. And um, so he did that in the summer of 2006. And so we're going on 20 years now. To be in the military environment as a kid, what's that like? I mean, for me, and I talk about this, I talked about this the other day with my mom. I was like, you know, it was really cool as a kid. I was just one of those kids. I enjoyed moving. I enjoyed trying new foods. I enjoyed meeting new people, uh, navigating. I'm an extrovert, so it was really cool for me. I was like, yeah, you know, I get to meet new people. I get to, you know, travel. And I think it really allowed me in growing up to accept people where they are, how they are, because you're moving so much and you don't have time to be critical or judgmental about who you want to make friends with and how you're going to do things. It also taught me to acclimate very quickly to surroundings, kind of read the room very quickly as well. Um, because you have to understand what type of school environment you're going to be in, the types of people that you're around all the time. So I really enjoyed it as a military kid. We had some really cool adventures of PCSing and traveling and, you know, just making great memories. So I really loved it, loved being a military kid.
those are all really great points. And that's exactly how I feel. I really love my, my uh, upbringing as a military kid. I really wouldn't change it for anything. It has given me opportunities to see places and meet people and do things and try things that most people never get to do or see yeah. or people meet. So it's been, mm-hmm. it's been really cool. I actually um, went to Germany uh, in 2019, right before COVID outbreak. And my brother is actually in the army. He's a warrant officer. And so they're stationed in Germany. And so we went over there for a holiday. We were there for 17 days. And when I was a kid, I was stationed. My dad was stationed in Germany. And so I actually went and visited with my childhood friend in Germany. And I mean, it was just the most incredible. It was like all of the memories. We had so many great memories. And for me to meet her kids and her husband and we lived in a three-story townhome off base. And so we lived on the first floor and they lived on the second floor. And then the other family lived on the third floor. And so just to be around her parents who used to cook for us. And we have family pictures together of doing Christmas together and our parents drinking and smoking and hanging out, you know, and doing life together. And then for her and I to be sitting in the same place with our families and our kids it was just incredible. And then for us to go walking out in the back during all the, you know, all the places we used to play and the hideouts we used to have, just showing my family was really, really cool. So nobody can have, there's that's some, a memory that not everybody can have. And if I was not a military kid stationed in Germany, living off the base, living with this, you know, German family renting, my parents rented the house, we wouldn't have met them and I wouldn't have had this experience. And now I have this lifelong friend in another country that we email each other, we check on each other. And it was from that experience. So I really love that. How did you get from pinching pennies to starting a business? Where do I start? So when, when Roy and I actually got out of the military, we had purchased a home when we were enlisted in Florida and we sold the home. And we took that money and we invested it into eight properties. So when we were living in Fayetteville, we were also property managers, which was harder than it was like the hardest job we ever had. And so Roy and I, Roy would, um, you know, go to school at Fayetteville State. I would work, I worked at a property management company and we also had these rental units. We have one kid, we had another one on the way and it was just crazy. It was, it was that those, those years, I will say those two and a half years were the hardest years on us in so many different ways because Roy was at the age where if he didn't pass the test, he was 30. I think it's, I think the cutoff is 31 and he was 31 that year. So if he didn't pass it, we were, we got out the military for nothing. We did everything for nothing. So there was a lot of pressure. It was a really high, it was a really intense time in our marriage and our relationship and boys, you know, career advancement and what we were doing. So, um, it all worked out and Roy did commission, um, this, the summer of, uh, 2006 and we had our second child and then we moved to Charleston, South Carolina. We just continued to manage the properties. And I decided at that point that I was just going to stay at home with the kids. I was going to do the whole stay at home thing kind of thing, just because, you know, I wanted to be able to be there for the kids and it was hard to manage two careers. 
And it was just a season that I was in as a, as a, as a mother. And so, um, you know, I just kind of stood in that season for a while and I did like the moms groups and I did the leading, leading the mops at church and all of these different things. And then, um, we moved to Ohio. That's where kind of, I'm going to say like there was a small awakening of, Hey, what am I going to do with my life? But it wasn't anything, anything that was making me act. My husband was deploying for a year, so he had been deployed for a year. And in that time, I started writing. I used to write for the um, for the college paper. I used to write for the high school paper. So I started this blog for military families, and it was called Dog Tags and Heels. And Lincoln Memorial, Lincoln Military Housing, and Corvus Military Housing reached out to me and said, "We would love for you to write some pieces for us." And I said, "Okay." So they, I wrote some pieces, and they mailed me checks. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I, people want to pay for what I have to write as a military spouse. And that was kind of very interesting to me. I was like, what? People care? They want to pay me? Okay. So I, that was kind of a, a little bit of that entrepreneurial spirit because I want to say owning the properties, we were entrepreneurs, but it was different. We're managing property. This is for me was. I was using my skill set that I had, that people were interested in what I had to say. And so it was really interesting, the dynamic and the difference between the two. And so I just kept writing and my husband came back and we moved again to Maryland. And my youngest was starting. So my son, at that time, we had three. So my youngest was starting school and I was like, well, what am I going to do now that I'm going to be home? I can't just be like, I just can't be home all day. And so... I decided to start looking for work. So I put together a resume. Um, you know, I put myself on Upwork or Indeed or whatever. Like at that time, it was really popular. And I started applying for jobs, PR and communications jobs, because I have a background, a degree in PR and communications. So I started applying for these marketing jobs and things like that. And I just found it really discouraging for a couple of reasons. Um, the first reason was because when I went to the base to ask for support, um, they wanted me to just apply for a government job. And we all know that most government jobs are already guaranteed to somebody who's about to retire in some way. So that was kind of discouraging. So then that's when I started going and applying on Indeed and going to like more civilian companies to get hired. And one, the catalyst for this entire thing and ev- evolution of everything that I've done is going to an interview multiple times with the same company for a position in their PR department. And they told me at the last interview, they just, you know, we just can't invest in you right now because you're going to be moving again. And as a spouse, that was really, it was really deflating. It was, it made me angry. And that really was the catalyst for everything that I've done. Every business that I've built, every spouse that I've helped, everything that I've done, because I was like, who are they to tell me what they, what I can do? And so that's when I created my PR company, which was Dog Tags and Heels. I took the name from the blog and I just created that. And I started to secure local companies um, with their social media and helping them write their press releases and, you know, marketing announcements. Um, so that was really great. That's, I'm a self-taught business person. I have never taken any classes on how to start a business. 
I've been YouTubing and Googling for years and trial and error, learning as I go. Um, when I went to the base, um, and I didn't really even narrow pinpoint this for me as a point of reflection in, in my, the milestones that I've been, that I've had until probably three years ago. But when I went to the base and I said, Hey, I started a business. I'm really looking for some like local support. Are you guys connected to chambers? Do you guys do any of this stuff? And they were like, no, you can write a resume. You can apply for a government job. And so once again, I felt leaving there deflated and disconnected and un unsupported for my journey. And so that's kind of where everything began. Um, I started working with local organizations and I, then at that time I started getting online and doing the virtual networking and learning to, um, really become an expert in my field online, learn to connect online. And in that time, that's when I created the Mill Spouse Creative and Entrepreneur Facebook group because I knew there were other people who were going through what I was going through as a freelancer or as a, you know, small startup. And I needed support and I knew there were people out there who needed support. And so I created the space. Um, and it's pretty incredible. So from there, I started working with corporate companies in the military space and celebrity clients. And yeah, it's just been crazy. Just kind of, that's just how it's happened. It's happened very gradually as people don't see the iceberg at the bottom. They always see it on top. We just talked about that, like where you see people. And they're well accomplished or they've done all this stuff, but you don't see everything underneath to how they got there. And um, so that that is what uh, pivoted me to start, you know, AMC Agency because I knew that the spouses needed the support. And I felt like I was in the position and with the experience and had the platform to help other spouses do what I wish I had help with. So that's kind of how everything evolved. Well, yeah, it costs money to onboard people and train them and do all that. Like, I get it now that I'm running, you know, multiple companies. I get it because I have to onboard people and train them too. But it is, it is, it's great that the times have changed mm -hmm. because of COVID. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, remote can work. And I'm like, it's been, eight, it's been doable for years. It's just, yeah. I feel like people have had their minds closed to new things and new ways mm -hmm. of doing and being um, as a company. So I'm sure that they have had to pivot during COVID now. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I think a lot of lessons are learned that way. Yeah. But like and you said, it, it was it, people were able to make it work prior to COVID. I mean, I did it for years. I mean, I've ran um, since 2014. I've run companies, all of my companies, clients online. They're clients I've never even met in person. They are partners I've never even met in person. Everything has been online. Oh, my gosh. So when it all happened, I was like, y'all need to calm down. Everybody relax. You got this. <laughs> Some pandemonium. Like, relax. <laughs> Ask a military spouse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she will share the share, take you through the hoops and show you the ropes of how to do this remote work stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I could only imagine you sitting there saying, dude, y'all, chill out. I got this. I've been doing this for like, I don't know, years now. You know, and like, welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> oh, man, I, I, I'm, I'm surprised with you being the extrovert that you are. I'm surprised you didn't be like, hey, yo, um, I got this. Bring me on your show and let me tell you how it works. Let me show you how it's done. <laughs> oh, my God. 
<laughs> so many people I saw struggling or like making comments. I was like, you guys are headed <laughs> together. Or like, it was funny hearing like my husband's squadron trying to figure out how to like navigate meetings. I was like, <laughs> Come this on, is guys. your United States military. They don't even know how Not to meet. <laughs> you know, just like watching. Cause when it, everything shut down, I was already home and I was like, y'all messing with my whole vibe. Cause then I had the kids here. I had Roy here. People need to help with tech. I knew how to run everything. So I was like, wait a minute, you are connected to this. You need to do this. Blah, blah, blah. I've had to tell my husband, like, they can hear you. Cause he, he forget, you know, like people are learning to use these programs. And I'm like, they can hear you. They can see you you know, like all this stuff. So it was, it was really interesting, but I will say I was able to share my strength of technology and multitasking and kind of running the house and, Hey, we need to break for lunch and things like that because nobody else had done it. So we had a schedule and it was, it was really, I thought it was really cool that they were kind of like leaning into me and my understanding and how to do things to kind of share, like, this is how you do this, how you log on to Google, like, click this for this view, like just crazy little things like that. Mm -hmm. So it was really cool to have that. And my husband, I'm, I'm sure he was thinking, oh, so she doesn't just stay on the computer and play around all day. <laughs> uh, yeah. I have three kids, 17, 13, and nine. Okay, so that is awesome. Like that's I'm I'm going how do you how do you do that? Cuz there's such a wide range of, you know, ages. Have have you had to be mom and dad and entrepreneur like if maybe if your husband had to deploy at any point or be gone for a certain time period? And if so, yeah. how was that? Yeah, absolutely. And I never like I never think I could fill the shoes of being dad. I I just have to like reinforce some of the things that he's really good at, right? So we all have just in just just like business, we all have our skill sets, we all have our strengths. And there are really there are things that Roy's really extremely brilliant at, and there are things that I'm really great at. And so when he's not around, I have to be very cognizant of those things, you know, like have more patience, you know, do this, do that. And those are things that I'm not used to doing. Um, but yeah, as a military spouse and a business owner, adding layering on top of that, it's been a challenge. Um, you know, the military um, throws you curveballs and you have to learn to figure it out. And wait, what? Seriously? <laughs> okay. <laughs> as a military spouse, though, it affects us as well. You know, like things change for the member. But it's a domino effect and things that we've had planned or things that I need to execute or implement or be at myself come secondary. And so we've really just come up with a great system. It's taken us a while to get a good battle rhythm. But, you know, the family and I have a schedule. We share calendars. Um, we stay informed. There is a level of respect and um for for both of our or for both of our careers, you know, not not to say that one is more than the other, but you know, Roy has a permanent career where he answers to to people and he has to show up and he has teams and I do too. And I think through time there's just 
come a level of understanding and respect from both ends. And so that's been really great as a military spouse and a business owner and a mom. You know, you just have to learn to navigate. So we run the house kind of like logistics, people's calendars, appointments. You have to let us know ahead of time. Um, and my team, you know, the other thing is too, like you have to be flexible. So we are flexible in this house. Things change and you just have to be willing to kind of go with the flow and pivot and make adjustments. So it's been a challenge at times and sometimes disappointing when you can't do certain things because obviously the military member serves our country. And so that comes first. Um, but I've been figuring out ways to make it work <laughs> for me when there were times where I had where he wasn't available to help or support. I've just figured it out and I've been able to do it. Um, I'm the type of person that just makes things happen. I really just don't take no for an answer. I just go. I just make sure it gets done some way. Somehow we're going to do it. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. I'm glad you said that out loud because I was going to say something earlier on that I recognize because I might have a similar trait. I don't know, but not taking no for an answer. <laughs> I like, I recognize that early on when you were talking about something, I was like, Oh, I better be on the same side she is because she's not going to take no for an answer. She's going to drive and point home until the other person gets it. Right. Or until it gets done, you know, like. Yeah. I just never, I'm the type of person, you know, baby, oh, I have a baby. I don't care. We're going to get it done. Show up. Give yourself time block. You can, you can build a business and still be a military spouse and still have children. You just have to come up with a schedule that works for you in the season that you're in. And what works for one person doesn't work for another person, right? Because we all have different personalities. We all have different needs. We all have different ways of learning and managing things. And so... You just have to find what works for you. And that might take a while. And it's okay. You're not supposed to get it perfect the first time. If you do, kudos. If you don't, keep it moving. Like, oh, that didn't work. Cross that off and go on to the next thing. Like, you just keep going. You don't stop when you're passionate about something. You just keep going. So do you have any experience of, I mean, you mentioned childhood trauma. I don't know if that's from personal experience or something else. But do you have... Anything that you're willing to share about any mental health uh, trauma that you may have experienced? Yeah, absolutely. So when my husband deployed in 2014, I started to deal with anxiety and I didn't even know what that was. I just started to feel moments of like uncontrollable emotions, crying, um, sadness, and it was because I was anxious. I didn't know how to deal with it. So I did go and speak to somebody about getting help. I did get some medication that helped me kind of regulate all of those emotions all at the same time. It was trial and error. The first time I took any medication was I was like a zombie, right? Because everything's kind of trial and error. And then I found something that helped me regulate um, my emotion. Um, I started to see a counselor to help me with, with kind of talking through, well, what are you anxious about? Those are things you can't control. These are coping mechanisms. And it really helped me navigate through that entire year. Um, and then since then, I've, I've continued to stay with counseling because I think even though like things are great, you still need to go and speak to somebody. You don't wait till it gets really bad. You talk those things through as you're navigating everyday life. Why is it we don't mind saying 
Man, then I fell, I broke my leg, fractured this thing, sprained this muscle, and man, it was it was crazy. And we don't mind talking about that, but the minute some sort of mental health or brain issue comes up, it's this polar yeah. opposite. You I think want it's to just stigma. I think it's from the way we were raised, and I will say that I think now our children now. Our younger generations are okay talking about it. But I do think, like, the way we were raised, like, that's weak. That's a weakness. Mm -hmm. Toughen up. That's being lazy. Like, all these different things. And I think there's just, you know, change is on the up and up with mental health. There's so much advocacy and awareness around it. And people like you who are saying, like, it's okay. Let's talk about it. What have you done? How do you see it? And, um... I do. I think it's mostly, like I said, I really think it's just a stigma. I think it's the old way of thinking. If you let people know there's something wrong in here, it doesn't make you a good leader or you can't run a company or you can't be successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I, so I currently live with my mother and she was out of town when I had gone into the hospital and I just sent her a text message, did not describe what I was doing or why I was doing it mm-hmm. just said this is where I'm going mm-hmm. and I'm going to tell you what even from family mm-hmm. the judgment uh, you know, now I'm now I'm crazy because I went to oh no um, well that's a whole nother thing but you know or I knew something wasn't right with you or you're crazy or whatever the case may be and so it, you know, so there is that judgment. I think I think there's a stigma, and there's also that um, having to deal with people's response to you asking for help because you think I'm doing the right thing. I'm going to go get help, mm-hmm. and then you get responses from people that you know. But I will say to your point too, I have gotten when I have shared that with somebody. Uh, I've only shared that with a couple of people, and I guess the rest of the world now. But like. I've only shared with a couple of people that I had gone to get, I had self-admitted and I was there for three weeks. Most of the responses that I get now are good for you. Yeah. That's awesome. Congrats. I think that's great. I think that says a lot about you. I'm like, mm-hmm. what, that I'm broke? <laughs> and they'll no, say no. Says that you, you see that there's not even something wrong, but something you need support or help in mm-hmm. and that you're willing to say, I need it and then reach yes. out and ask for it. And I think that builds a lot of character. And I think that takes a very brave person um, to be able to do that, you know, so yeah. kudos to you and, you know, the, the journey is, you know, incredible and eye opening when you can do that and have those discussions and share that journey with other people. And you never know who you're inspiring to take mm-hmm. that leap on themselves and take care of themselves yeah. too. Why even not only do we not talk about suicide and we do we do classes every year in the military uh-huh. of suicide intervention, yet here we are still talking about that campaign of 22 a day. Yeah, it's so, true. Crazy. Yeah. So my question is, why, you know, well, it's two things. One, why are we still dealing with this and why are we still at 22? And 
why do we have such a hard time asking somebody, are you thinking about hurting yourself? Mm-hmm. That's not a bad question. There's this myth that says, if I ask somebody if they're thinking about harming themselves, that's going to make them do it. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. So why why do you, why is this still an issue? And what can we do to, I, I don't mean fix it, but like, bring that number 22 down to something closer. Honestly, I think, and I will, for, for me, from the outside looking in, I think that a lot of our military members struggle with that because if it goes on their record, they can't get the retirement that they want or the promotion that they want or things that you know, can be disclosed in medical records that says like, well, if you're thinking of committing suicide, how could you lead a battalion? Mm-hmm. You know, how could you be a leader? And I think I know that's probably one of the reasons why a lot of our military members don't ask for help. They're scared of the repercussions. Mm-hmm. And I think too, military families too, military spouses, the EFMP program can prevent families from going and being in certain places and that can affect their military members career um so i just i think having that pin on top of you all the time really adds the pressure of saying i don't want to get help um or you know i'm thinking of hurting myself because on top of that if you haven't even gotten help to talk to somebody you don't even know how to categorize that or how to ask for help Mm -hmm. Uh, which is why you know Organizations like Military One Source are incredibly important, the work that they're doing, because they don't disclose that information, mm-hmm. you know, and members feel safe to have that outlet to talk to somebody. So, I mean, it is unfortunate, and I don't know when it's going to change, and I don't know if it ever is going to change. Mm-hmm. You know? And I agree. I, I agree. I remember at one point... While I was on active duty, so I deploy. But why do we just do it when they deploy? But no, I, I'm with you. I, I agree. I mean, I think doing it once a quarter is a, an amazing thing. Just like you have to get a physical, physical. Why not a mental health physical? Mental physical. And and mental health, when you see it, it's like mental, it's like mental exercise. It's exercise for your brain. Mm-hmm. Just really good to be able to have that as an outlet. Right. But here's, here's where I think the problem would be. And again, I'm not supporting or endorsing this because I, I do think it's wrong. But do you know, most of the people, when you deploy and you're coming back home, What's on your mind coming back home? Whether you're single and you just want to get back home, whether it's a, there's a spouse or kids involved as well, your focus is not on filling out paperwork. Your focus is on, I want to get home and see my spouse. I want to get home and see my kids. So when, when those questions are asked on that reintegration form, um, you answer it the not the accurate way but the right way so that you don't have to talk to anybody else so that you can get home and see your spouse and kids yeah wow that's mm. so i i say i bring that up because that. Mm-hmm. yeah that's why i bring that up because you know 
if, if let's say they did implement what you mentioned, that you have to talk with somebody once a quarter, that how do we know for that hour, that one hour each quarter that I sit down with a mental health professional, how, how do you know that I'm, I, what makes you think I'm going to be honest about it? Like, I'm only doing this because I'm required to do it. I have to do it. Therefore, I'm going to sit down with you. I'm going to talk to you begrudgingly or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that. I could see how that could I mean, be. So it's definitely a good effort because you might catch a couple people. Yeah. yeah. You might catch the couple people and that could be a life-saving measure because the, because DOD made me sit down with somebody I, I decided that I was going to be honest with the person and tell them how I'm actually feeling and what I'm actually thinking and then get the help that I'm needed and I'm no less of a person because I did. But what do I know? Oh, wow. This has been great. I didn't yeah. Know. We'll be right back. Thank you and have a nice day.